You're listening to Gen X Gamers Podcast. Hey y'all, this is Kid Aquarius. I'm happy to have you here with me for part two of episode one of season two of, just kidding, that's enough, right? I've already got you confused. But the bottom line is, hopefully if you're listening to this, you've already listened to part one of this episode's podcast where I gave you the gaming news in a minute and then I joined Chris Maggard and Brandon Monk, my good friends, and we talked about our top games of all times. And we only got to pick number five. You still need to hear four through one plus our honorable mentions. I also promised you the game of the week. So before I play for you the rest of the podcast between me, Chris and Brandon, I want to share with you my game pick for the week. And my game pick for the week this week is very special because it is a crossover between video game and board game in honor of the fact that next week our podcast is going to be all about board games. So with that in mind, the title that I want to bring up today is The Binding of Isaac. This game started out as a video game in 2011. It was a top-down dungeon crawler game that was quite interesting. It's got a lot of religious undertones where you can relate it to biblical stories And it's just really interesting, a lot of fun to play, and it definitely amassed uh, a cult gathering of players who really liked playing it. It was really, really successful. Then the game was converted into a board game, and a lot of times those might not be successful, but in this case, it really is great. It came off of Kickstarter, And the game is very much like Munchkins. So if you were a Munchkins liker, uh, if you like that card game, you will love this game as well. It's very similar. You take on a character where you accrue items and powers and you try to defeat monsters out on the table in front of you. And and you're ultimately trying to accrue souls um, to win the game. But it's a lot of fun, um, a lot of hurting the other players, player versus player, in terms of undermining one one another and, and doing deals with one another in an effort to defeat the monsters in the middle of the board and be the first one to gather enough souls. It's a great game that I, I encourage you to go out and get. You can get the base copy now, I believe. In, I think I saw it in Target a couple weeks ago. And I think they even have some Kickstarter like follow-ups um, to that game. So that's my game of the week pick. I hope you enjoy it. Now let's tune into the rest of our podcast with Brandon and Chris. Okay, guys, number four. I'm starting this one off. My number four is Titanfall. I uh, Titanfall is my all-time favorite first-person shooter. I think that with the abilities of the pilots that you play, that created uh, just a, an incredible variety of tactics that you can take in that game. It, it, it created a, a situation where the maps themselves could be multi-level and uh, be very, very dynamic. And then in the middle of this battle, to be able to come down as, as one of the Titans and, and as a pilot, enter your Titan and, and suddenly take on a whole new type of gameplay, it was awesome. I am, I am just 
blown away that there is not a, a bigger player base that has kept that those games going because they are just incredible in in my opinion I, I i don't see any i think of call of duty warzone that we play and i think of apex and i think of um halos and all of those and in terms of gay play, gameplay and first person shooter um man i just think titan hall ball has it i love it i love it what's your number four chris my number four is the mass effect uh, it's partic particularly the second one and the third one. I know where you played uh, Mass Effect. I didn't know that. Oh no, Mass Effect, one of my favorite games of all time, oh, and no. you know, especially Mass Effect Two for the for its uh, massive breadth. I mean, it just had so many amazing characters, and you could get s so far into their lives, and it was uniquely different. The, the races uh, in that galaxy are, are not like any other game you've seen in the sci-fi era. And the way that they interact had a really fantastic, um, you know, thought behind it. A lot of politics, discrimination between certain races. And you, you had like a character from each one and you, you'd go into their life and it was just fantastic. I think Mass, Mass Effect 3 somehow pulled me in more, even though I don't think it was as good of a game overall. Somehow the effects and the way that they, they made it more cinematic really spoke to me. Sorry awesome. to throw a two. I'm jealous. No, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous I don't have that one down. I mean, Mass Effect 2 was an incredible game. Nice pick. Wow. Brandon, number four. Number four for me is Mario 64. And this was a very, very tough one, actually, because Mario is such a deep and uh, such a huge legacy that I, I had to pick something. In my top seven games, I would have to have a Mario game. Sure. And when I think about that, from having the original Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment System, Mario 3, 2 was amazing, I love, but Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo, and all the games subsequent. I mean, there's so many brilliant hits to Mario Galaxy. Those, oh, just absolutely gorgeous. But where Super Metroid just locked in 2D platforming there, Super Mario 64 did that for three-dimensional platforms. It was huge. And it did it on such a level that, that that formula has been set in stone from them almost since. Just about everybody that has done that, and even they, while they continue to reinvent it with the most recent, uh, what is it, Super Mario whatever for the, the Switch, yeah. um, the one with the hat. I forgot Odyssey. Name, but Odyssey, Odyssey it, that's you. it. All of those games, that all of fun. those games, yeah. even to now, are still amazing. But if I look back upon one, where it was like, okay, the game changed here. That was it. It was Super Mario 64. So innovative. I worked at yeah. a Blockbuster at the time. Mm -hmm. And of course we had the con they, you know, we had that pillar there with yeah. the, the, the game there that people could come and play. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember when that came out, it was just like mind blowing. The controls, how many different things you could now suddenly do, the different ways in which Mario could jump, how you could control him. And, and even how much this game started to appeal, I remember playing this game in college and other girls in some of my classes talking about themselves playing mm. this game. I mean, that was like games were changing. Yeah. Anyway, nice pick. Geez, you guys are good at picking games. <laughs> I don't disagree with anything anybody said. Okay, guys, we're going to do the top three. But before we do the top three, we can each name three honorable mentions, but you can't mention anything about the game. Just three like honorable mentions. Yeah. My three honorable mentions. And as much as I want to talk about them, and I have to say, I can't believe that I didn't pick Zelda Breath of the Wild and Mass Effect 2, honestly. Nice picks, but they weren't them. My three honorable mentions are Smite, Star Wars on the N64 as well, 
which may be the best platform ever created, and Super Mario 3. Great games, honorable mentions. Chris, you're up. All right. Um, I grew up playing Street Fighter 2. It's got to go in there somewhere. Uh, uh, Apex Legends is a, a game that totally changed my life. And... Pick one, Chris. Oh, gosh. I just switched it out. What, Final Fantasy VII. Oh, nice. I could just throw this in. Chris and I, our last physical confrontation of our youth was over a Street Fighter II. Chris, do you remember that? We got so angry that I think one of us slapped the other. I can't remember who. And the other. I, anyway. I love it. I just throw that out there. We used to play in my motorhome because we were too loud. So we had to go out in the trailer so we could scream and like Your slap Your mom each other. kicked you out to the trailer? Oh, yeah. And whenever my cousins would come, you know, we'd be up all night screaming and squealing about, uh, you know, that was a cheap move and all that stuff. And, that's funny. It had to make the list somehow. All right. I guess I'll do my three honoraries. Um, definitely Ultima Online, Naked Bank Things Forever. Stardew Valley, just give me some of that just oh. peace and serenity. But last, and this one's for my kids, Minecraft slash Terraria. I don't know. Maybe they're not. Okay, fine. Call it Minecraft. But that game did something special, and I'll always have some, some cherished memories there. It's making a lot of money. Okay, number three. Okay, we're going to do the top three. Here we go. I expect some big guns coming out. Mm. So I'll start off. My number three is, oh man, I wish I was like pulling something out of the hat that just blew your socks away, but I'm just, I don't have it for you. In fact, I have Halo. I love Halo. And I know I just talked about Titanfall being my favorite first person shooter, even over a game like Halo. But the thing is, is that Halo, what the others don't have, Halo's storyline was so much fun to play. And my memories of playing that game with some of my friends on split screen in the same room and just going through the emotions of that whole storyline and going through all of those missions together, uh, priceless memories. So Beautiful. there you go. Chris, number three. My number three, Deus Ex, Human Revolution. Ooh. Uh, you know, I wasn't expecting it to take over my life, but something about it, you know, the cyberpunk kind of side of it you go it's a, a, a slightly futuristic world where people start to uh um you know uh, modify their bodies with uh you know bionic parts in either in their brain or um, abilities in their limbs and whatnot and you got the main character who's like maimed and then w against his will he wakes up and he's been turned into the super soldier Wait, what's the name of this game again deus x oh deus x deus yes x. Human Revolution. Right, I call it Deus Ex. I call it Deus Ex too. So when he said it's Deus, so I'm like, what's he talking about? It's so funny. Oh yeah, I don't even know. Though. I don't even know which one's the right way. But this is, and actually, this is from uh, Canada, um, Eidos or Eidos, Montreal. Yep. And so that's, I was, you know, really excited to see Canada represented. But um, uh, the the they also came up with a newer the newer game, Mankind Divided, which was great, but it was just the very like first chapter, and then the game just ended like in the middle of a sequence, which is really disappointing. But um, upgrading yourself, and then the story just drew me in about uh, people's anger towards uh, you know true humanism versus people who are modified, and it it had a lot of deep decisions to make that you were sort of pressured into this life of uh, enforcing and you know killing people for a cause that you didn't choose and, and your body you're not sure if you accept what's been done to you or not and it had a lot of um, you know complex emotions with, with the character and uh, I just uh, couldn't get enough of it and then you know you're you every few 
you know, levels or an hour or so, you'd be able to upgrade some part of your, your bionic body and you could go in many different directions. And I, what I really liked is that they did not all have combat based. You know, some of them were very rogue based and there were many levels that you could pass without any combat whatsoever. Now, I didn't go that way. I mean, I sort of did a mix of everything. But uh, there's not many games where you can actually choose to not fight and get through a game that's an action-adventure game of that type. And uh, I think the breadth of what you could do and how you could modify yourself to completely change the game and how the game responded to you was uh, really fantastic. Awesome. Okay, Brandon, number three. Uh, number three for myself is Dark Souls. And I'm gonna go with the original Dark Souls 1 as being the crown pinnacle of my, well, my favorite of the three, obviously Dark Souls 2, 3, but even going further beyond with Bloodborne and, and Demon Souls, I guess the original. But that game, you know, Dark Souls Hard has come to mean something. It, it is a game that is notorious as a series amongst gamers to just be one where it's, hey, get good. Um, from the online PvP and, and just how unique that is as a feature. For those of you that don't know, you're intended to play Dark Souls online, yet not in the sense that you would normally think other than people can invade you. You'll be going against a boss and then suddenly, boom, another player from who knows where or the other side of the world can join in and have the option to kill you. Um, bosses are larger than life and become their own puzzle in and of themselves. It really, I guess for me, is, is kind of the pinnacle of what I think action games can be. And it's going to be interesting to see someone take the genre in a new direction. Um, the, the sheer number of options available in that game in terms of just selecting which weapon set do you want to use because the move style feels good and natural and, and just the number of builds and the ways in which you can combine that, it really just hits that RPG element at, at the same time that that action skill base where, you know, after you've gone, you know, when you first kill Ornstein and Smo in the original Dark Souls, for those of you who don't know, it is a brutal boss fight where you fight two bosses. And uh, if you haven't, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But um, yeah, it's a badge of honor to to beat that portion of it. And yeah, so for me, definitely Dark Souls just it really hit the, the, the top of that adventure uh, genre, our adventure RPG, which, yeah, I love. So I'm excited it. to see your one and two. You know, yeah, that is different because I did pick the... Uh, but that was years ago. Years ago, Dark Souls was higher on the list, and I've since changed. Okay, number two, Chris, let's hear it. What's your number two? I had to really struggle with this one. Uh, but Uncharted 4, you know, it's, uh, I, I finally got the PS Now... I've never had a PlayStation, but now through my PC, you can you can play all these exclusives that I'd never played, and so I've been playing um, uh, Blood, Bloodborne, and now Uncharted 4, and The Last of Us, and and actually I, I almost put The Last of Us here. I was going, is it going to be Uncharted 4, or The Last of Us? They're from the same studio, Naughty Dog, and the way that the narrative goes in both stories actually just drives me and it's the type of game that I just can't get enough of where it's like you're watching a movie and you're part of the movie and you're changing the movie as you're in it but for our Uncharted 4 uh, I've never played the uh, the first three and so I just dove in with the re most recent installment there's actually a game after it um, but an expansion after it but you're like a treasure hunter who's been through so much in his life and then it starts out like the um, the coming of age story of you and your older brother uh, being raised in this uh, um, home for orphans that's uh, they're you know it's a religious type how you know order and that they have to follow these rules and them escaping and you know going out and just challenging 
all these puzzles and mysteries of the world. And so it's kind of got uh, Indiana Jones, but a, a fantastical uh, element to it. And just, I don't even know what it was, but just the, the narrative just drove me on. And then uh, when something would happen, it, the characters just felt so real and like somebody I, that I had known, you know, and then and the relationship between the older brother and the younger brother, and they lose each other s several times throughout the game and finding You never had a brother. Well, I mean, it was like, the, but it's like people I knew, you know, it was like, it was like that's, one of your stories. That's you what you imagined a brother would be like. That's right. I've got three hey, little sisters. Chris, so <laughs> yeah. I started Uncharted 4. I loved it as well. I didn't get all the way through it, so I got to ask you a question. Does the old guy get killed? You know, Does his I, mentor die? It, because I was on the PS Now, I was like on the last 30 minutes or hour of the game, and suddenly it got taken off the subscription. So I don't know. It, Yo! It's, I, I was always yeah. paranoid. I didn't finish it because I was like, oh, man, if they kill him off, I'm going to be depressed. <laughs> there you go again. You're either uh, checking the end of the story or you're not finishing Exactly. I read the, I read the back. <laughs> you read the last chapter. Brandon, you're number two. My number two. And, you know, again, I, I, I just I think so big sometimes when I think about my, my favorite game. And I really try to give weight to the whole history of my gaming experience. My number two, without a doubt, is Final Fantasy VII. Now, the biggest reason why I chose this is I'll never forget this experience. And Chris and I actually discussed this many, many years ago. Final Fantasy VII was the first video game that I can remember in a meaningful way, ever having advertisements shown at a movie theater. Almost in the same vein that you, it got the same red carpet treatment that any type of, of big budget movie film got. And I will never forget when that came out. And it's like, wait, wait, this game looks like a movie. Is this for real? These cutscenes are brilliant. And the audience is cheering. And I say this because this is when I think was a cultural moment for gaming because that's when it flipped, right? You saying that you were a gamer from that point on was a different meaning. And this idea of, I mean, it's almost more embarrassing to be a jock nerd these days than it is to be a gamer nerd. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, part of that cultural shift to me happened then. Not to mention the immense profound experience of just really this kind of really beautiful story that it told, how much it was able to really, I mean, that was one of the first games that I really felt real emotional attachment to a game. I mean, the Final Fantasy series and role-playing games as a whole are, are just, they have a huge, deep legacy with me. Final Fantasy 2 slash 5 or 3 slash 6, depending upon what. For me, it's 2 and 3 because I played them on the Super Nintendo. Beautiful, brilliant games. And the, the, the series continued to have these phenomenal experiences, but that was the pinnacle for me in terms of storytelling where everything with the ambiance of the game and the way that they told it and beautiful music and Eris and that, that sad story. And I mean, yeah, just this beautiful dynamic. I mean, to the point that people went crazy, literally crazy over this game. In fact, look up uh, Final Fantasy House internet stories uh it's a pretty funny one that uh will tell you just how psychotic people have gotten over this game trying to take on the persona of these creatures but these these characters sorry but at any rate looking at it and and again game that changed 
the genre, changed what it was to be a gamer, changed, I mean, you had adults cheering at this just because everybody else in the crowd was, right? Those kind of cultural adjusting moments. And that's what Final Fantasy VII really was at its time. And so big that it's now been remade. And really to get a remaster like that is just, and I mean, I'm talking a real remake, not just a, hey, we put some, some fancy graphic skin on this. So um, did, that's, this is the first game that's on both your lists. On both, on that's we on. Share, yeah, I think this is that's the, right. the first one on any of our lists. Yeah. That's we crossed. That's we crossed. How interesting. Yeah. Yep. Good pick. Okay, my number two. My number two is Knights of the Old Republic. I'm not talking about Knights of the Old Republic online, Star Wars online. I'm talking about Knights of the Old Republic, the original games. Uh, brilliant. They Star are, Wars Dungeons and Dragons. I think it is the first time that I saw a movie, uh, something from the movies that were then put into game form where the game form was so brilliant that you felt like you were there and it added content to the world of Star Wars, right? Like, like it, it took new steps in, in writing the history. Canon. Yeah, it created, created canon. canon. Thank you. That's, that's the, what I needed. And, and uh, it was just brilliant. And then to be able to create your lightsabers and, uh, and take them into battle. I love Kotor. It was, it was awesome. Another game of the year. Sorry. Yeah. What can I say? I love those. That's a good one. It is a good one. Okay. We're to the number ones. Here we go. Brandon, you're first. Chris, you're second. I get to do the last one. All right. Okay, Brandon, you're number one. Let's My it. number one, and again, this took a while because I, I'm thinking number one game. And I'm going to start with the series of this game, and that is The Legend of Zelda series. All right? This is a game that, at its core, what it touched on was that beautiful part of childhood where you were out in a forest on that hiking trip for the day and there was just a chance there was some kind of magical treasure in that cave over there that you might just be able to crawl into that and find some kind of a sword and have this amazing adventure that really just hit that where you felt like you were this this child who could go into the world and could battle and you could have that adventure. You were this Peter Pan lost boy, reckless without a care, but you could stand up to the fiercest of evil. And again, just that almost Goonies feeling spirit of adventure of, of being able to go out into the world. And, you know, that's what the Legend of Zelda originally encapsulated for me. From, Great description. From, from that first that, that, that was its narrative that grabbed me. And then to the adventures of Link and, I was very close to picking um, Secret of Mana. The Adventures of Link, nope. actually, as, because that, that game right there just did it so beautifully, but, and, and so many brilliant games to come after that. Since Breath of the Wild, I mean, I totally get why that game is so amazing for people. But for me, when I look at one, the game that had, again, that genre-defining impact, where Zelda really became what it would continue to be. And, and in fact, the things that you described the game with, I would say really for me started here and that is Ocarina of Time. And for me, if you look at what that game did, where you really, you started controlling that game and I felt like Link. I felt like the world was infinite, that it was free for me to explore, that there were just these brilliant, 
but hidden obstacles of where I just couldn't wait to dive in and find out what there was to, to explore. There was this, you know, brilliant, you know, you look at Dark Souls, where do you think Dark Souls combat comes from? Honestly, I mean, to be fair, lock on target, dodge roll, I mean, those things came from games like this. And quite frankly, I cannot think of a game that had this type of third person action combat before Zelda, before the Ocarina of Time. Again, it was beautiful. that is still, speed ran by kids who were not even born when this game was first yeah. uh, uh, created. And and again- Was that the first one where you could control the this horse? This is the first one, yes. I think yes, it was. Yes. This was yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one where you could get the horse. This was the first third, uh, first third dimension game. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that, that, that not overtelling the story where people just talked to you with these little <laughs> kind of things, but kind of gave you that little bit of imagination to somewhat create the story and to fill in those blanks for yourself and to kind of make the decision of, of what that was, that meaning to you. And again, just how open that was and how fulfilling it found it. I mean, the water temple, holy, I mean, before the days of the internet, if you beat the water temple without a guide, I mean, that was some serious stuff. That, that, great that puzzle to this day is immense. And as far as myself, like that genre of game is one that will, I will always, always play the, the next Zelda game. I will always, you know, for the rest of my life, whatever that is. Buy a system. I will buy that system just to play it. And and, I mean, that talks to you, uh, that that says how how important that series is. And when I have to be honest of the game that I get the most excited about, if I hear what's the next one going to be, there's not a game if there was the next Warcraft, the next Dark Souls, the next Mario that I would be as excited about without knowing anything about it, other than it said, hey, this is going to be the next Legend of Zelda. Nice. My number one. Good pick, Chris. Number one, buddy. All right. This is the only one on my list that, that was easy for me. And uh, you might already know it, though. Witcher 3. Witcher 3. I, oh, I, I should have known that. Yes. Tell us, and, why do you and, love it? And the the game still holds me now. I, I still am not through. You know, they've had the expansions, the uh, Hearts of Stone expansion, and then the Blood and Wine expansion was like an entire n- another game. And I, I think they should have marketed it as Witcher 4 because in those they upgraded a lot of the uh, AI of the, of the, the creatures that you fight. And in, in uh, the Hearts of Stone, they, they introduce a lot of new creatures, but they have creatures that, that uh, hunt you uh, and they simultaneously attack you and work together. There's these giant spiders and it's sort of a mother spider. And then there's like about seven other spiders and they surround you and then they, they time their attacks. You know, they run at you and then at the moment you try to dodge or move, the other one is like already moved there knowing you're gonna try to go that way. And it, and it learns from what you reacted on the last one and it really uh, upped the game. But, but for me, you know, I've been uh, obsessed with The Witcher for a long time. I think Geralt for me is just the best character ever made. And I, I just uh, really relate to him and Chris, you know, pro- no I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Yes. Okay. For Halloween this year, I want you to dress like. <laughs> yes, Gerald. Start, start preparing now. All right. I'm, I'll do it. I'll do it. We'll. we'll, uh, we'll a little it, cosplay. Do a video on uh, Gen X. <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, the story of it is just for me so powerful, and it it brings fantasy into a much deeper. I don't know. Okay. I mean, it's not like a nude kind let's, of fantasy you've never heard of. What's really important, Jennifer or yes. 
Or, uh, sorry, what was the other girl? Tris, Tris. Yeah, Yennefer or Tris. I've always been a Yennefer side of things. A Yennefer, okay, okay, well said. I have a, I have a theory on that, that, that that is when boys become men. <laughs> okay, yeah. men want Yennefer. Boys want Tris, but men want Yennefer. Right, and then there's that part in the right game. Right now, there are people listening that yes. don't know this, Enough and they're said. Googling those people. Right they're like, well, well Witcher was kind of famous as the, uh, you actually Thanks. had full-on romances with the, yeah. uh, the love entailed Ooh. in it. The love scenes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, nobody gets around like Geralt. And then you, you have to kind of choose where you're going, and then it's going to affect your relationship with the other women. But they do it in a way that's not uh, Leisure Suit Larry. You know, it's not a lowbrow, but, like, I'm so into it. I'm, like, you know, really feel like I'm in love I with Jennifer. I bet Jennifer. you are. And, I will have to say the, the love scenes were much better done than I expected. Like, there's no way you think, oh, my gosh, some nerdy video mm -hmm. game love slash sex scene. It's going to be horrific. It's not nearly as cringy as you would imagine. I think it would get a lot more respect from the mainstream uh, than people would actually expect. So, and they brought and a lot more of the mo emotional attraction and not just like, here's some eye candy to like help sell us. You know, it's kind of an HBO style. That just... If you find your husband not very creative in bed, have him play The Witcher 3. <laughs> get some ideas. Oh, That's for sure. animated nudity, Judas Priest. I remember going to the video store with uh, Chris back in the day, looking for anime that we figured might have a little bit of that. Is this your number one? No, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> my number one, yes, let's go there. Good pick, guys. And of course, our, our, we're all over the place, as always. My number one is not going to be a surprise to Brandon. My number one is Red Dead Redemption. So I love Red Dead Redemption. What number one or two are you? The Num well, in, in all fairness, Red Dead Redemption is oh, actually well. the sequel to a game that came out like six years before called, I think, Red Dead Revolver. Revolver yeah, right. But right. Red Dead Redemption for me, I think the reason that it was such a powerful experience, right? In terms of game mechanic and all of that, obviously we could compare it to other things that are out there. But I think for me, the reason I can pick this one without looking back or wondering if I'm, it's really my top game when I play video games, it's a total escape. You know, Zelda is a total escape. And I can't believe Zelda's not on my list somewhere. I'm hitting myself. But um, all of these games are an escape into the imagination in terms of, you know, fantasy and sci-fi and all of that. Well, Red Dead Redemption was where my video game world connected with my real world because I am an outdoorsman. I love hunting and fishing and Western and I grew up in the mountains and I think about my growing up with my brothers and my dad and um, just being out there camping and backpacking and, and then to bridge that with the world of gaming and have it done so beautifully and to tell an awesome story while doing it. I loved it every second of it. I could never get enough. I could never get enough. And the ending was brilliant. The ending was so good. Uh, so anyway, perfect Corey game. Well, yeah, it is a perfect Corey game. Guys, that was our top 10. And I'll tell you, that's not an easy thing to do, is it? No, that's no. a choice. I had, oh yeah, so many games that I'm still thinking like, ah, oh, how could that not fit on? But yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, even after that, I, for, for myself, yeah, those are the games that have the most meaning. Nice. Sure. Well, I'm going to be posting our lists on the website and I'm going to be encouraging any of our listeners to send me their top list and I'm going to put it up there as well. We'll see how lists start to compare and if that changes. But Is there anything that doesn't deserve to be on a list that someone's named? I'm interested to hear if any of your listeners out there have anything that they're just Ooh, yeah. by. They're, they're, they're like, like, what are you thinking? Really? Really? I mean, 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I won't lie. You know, you brought up Mass Effect 2. You guys brought up Zelda. And both of them, I'm like, how did I not have that? How did I, how did I, how did I skip over that? But anyway. Okay, guys, we got to call it. This was a two-parter. If you are all the way to the second part, listeners, thank you for being there. When we come back, I will tell you all about next week because we are diving into the world of board games. Chris, you like board games. I love board games. Thank, another thing that Corey brought into my life is taking board games to the next level. And I've introduced them at my work every day at lunch. I play board games with my coworkers, my family. We are always excited for the next board game. And uh, it's just uh, a world that you have to get into. Yeah, awesome. it's so, so much more than, you know, just the, the basic things that most Americans think of growing up with board games. Now, stay tuned for the after show where I told these two why their list of top 10 games was absolutely wrong and inferior to mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to hit the stop recording. Okay, folks, you've heard it here. That was our top 10 lists. I encourage you to email us at genxgamers27 at gmail.com with your top 10 list of your favorite games of all time. And we will put them up on the website and be able to display and compare and see, uh, I don't know, see what the reigning champion is after a while. Okay, thanks for being here with us today. Next week, we are jumping in to board games. It's going to be an awesome podcast. Hope to see you there. Peace out.